His eye, the violent type of shark. Straight from the beaches of Amity, fear my rows of teeth, my unpredictable nature. Yeah, that's offensive in a number of ways. Hey everybody, it's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney over there, Steve. How's it going? <laughs> and today we are talking DC Universe uh, subscription service, their original animated series, Harley Quinn. Uh, it's 13 episodes, just finished up a uh, week before last, as of this recording. Uh, like half hour episodes, yeah. animated Mainly for an adult audience, it's a. It's not mainly. It's totally for an adult totally audience. for an adult audience. Well, it depends <laughs> on depends on how mature your children actually are. All right, they drop the f bomb constantly. Yeah, they do, and there's a lot of blood and gore. Um, but it is it is a comedy. Uh, albeit the type of comedy that appeals to kind of a a dark sense of humor. It's a black comedy. Yeah, but there's a lot of things there also that are traditional sitcom fare as well. That's true. But it's kind of like warped. Yeah, it is very... It is, warped is a good term. Um, for those of you who might have been living under a rock for the past 30 years or so, uh, Harley Quinn was a character created originally for the Batman the Animated Series. Uh, by Bruce Tim and Paul Dini. And over the years, she's kind of like taken on a life of her own. And uh, she's probably, she's changed a lot from going from her first appearances in Batman the Animated Series to this most recent uh, right, animated well, series. And and possibly even including uh, the, the recent Birds of Prey film, which this kind of came, was going on during the the build-up for that film. And the release. And the release. Yeah, so she went from being like a clown girl thug to being the Joker's um, kicking stool slash girlfriend to being um, one of the most popular characters that DC has to offer to um, having her own identity away from all that chazara. Mm-hmm. And and this series, the main plot is Harley Quinn developing her own identity away from the Joker. Yes. So the show, being that it's kind of a, a, a screwball dark comedy, uh, really does kind of take the piss out on the DC universe, particularly the Batman universe, where it is usually seen as you know, people people are all like, oh, Batman should be grim and dark all the time. You know, the character didn't even exist before 1986 in Frank Miller. And this kind of uh, takes that, that idea and says, fuck off. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely is. A, I guess it goes against the grain for the rest of everything that DC has put out within the past 20 years or so, with yeah. the possible exception of Shazam. Right. 
the movie. Right, right. It, it has a tone more in common with something like Plastic Man. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's um it's definitely like a dark screwball comedy. Um, it some of the choices they make are better than others. Well, of course, um, in terms of characterization. Uh, but goddamn Bane, man. <laughs> <laughs> this credit card is my record. I'm going to blow up the coffee shop. Right. Now let's let's talk about some of the interesting characterizations they have. Let's let's Harley Quinn is is Harley Quinn. Uh, yeah, they make her a little bit more uh manically wacky. Right. Um Poison Ivy is carrying on her, her more more recent incarnations as an eco-terrorist, but she also has some traits of like Daria or you know the the deadpan snarky character. Yeah, she definitely does. She actually even like comports herself very similar to Daria. Right. She's she's definitely, you know, she's she's a villain. She admits she's a villain. But she's also a fairly woke villain in that uh, all of her motivations are this kind of uh, uh, eco-terrorism, saving the world sort of thing. Right. Uh, Harley is later joined by Clayface. Uh, Alan Tujic does double duty in this series as both the Joker and Clayface, and we'll get to the Joker in a second. Uh, Clayface is an actor! Yes, they they play up his Basil, um, what is his name? Basil, uh, Basil Karloff, I think. Karloff. They play up his backstory, and he is an actor. He's like a really bad hammy actor. Yes. It's and, great. And he's everything is either relating, everything that occurs to him is either related to acting technique or singing or or theater in some way or or films yes one of the greatest things he did in the whole thing was when he delivers the eulogy which will for whom will remain a mystery (laughs) um he quotes uh captain kirk's eulogy for spock at the end of wrath of khan yes (laughs) And it is great. I've never met somebody more human. <laughs> uh, that night, I thought the other one was when he intruded into the Riddler's video and was critiquing his delivery. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Very well done. Um, they had uh, Dr. Psycho, a very underused villain in the DC Universe. Um, was fantastic. He was the Wesley James Young character. Yeah, he was kind of a... Uh, played by the same actor whose name escapes me, who plays Buster in uh, Arrested Development. Ah. He's great. And he's there because he's basically unhirable by any villain uh, because he said the C word. Yeah, it's twice. It's, it's funny because they will will drop the f bomb. You know, everything is fair game. But when he says the c word, they bleep it out. It's hilarious. Yeah, and in the world stops. Yeah, the world stops spitting. The dog is taking a piss on the on the fire hydrant, and it just 
drip, drip, drip. Like it's just cut off in, in shock. Yeah, but that that, that uh, Doctor Psycho just called Wonder Woman, <laughs> right? So, um, and and it's, we'll come back to Doctor Psycho because they do they do something in the show that you don't really get a lot of in um, animated television shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do character development. Yes. What? 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 <laughs> Char- <laughs> Characters develop. They change. In an animated series? I know, it's crazy. It doesn't reset itself at the end of every episode. Um, and then the, the, the crew... Um, oh, we is, forgot We forgot one of the crew. We forgot two of the crew. Oh, that's, that's true. That's true. Uh, later we see King Shark. King Shark, who is a tech-savvy, uh, low-key, bloodthirsty man shark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's right. And... Um, also is is very sensitive about people and their perceptions of sharks. Yeah. Uh, and the final member of the crew is Poison Ivy's landlord, Psy. Who's um, apparently my um, gun dealer in Gangbusters. Uh, apparently. <laughs> uh, who he is uh, played by Jason Alexander. Uh, you might know him from Seinfeld. I forget which character, what his character's name was in Seinfeld. George Costanza. George Costanza, thank you. Um, and pretty much he brings the whole George Costanza thing to Psy, but imagine George Costanza as a uh, burned-out former CIA operative. Yes, and uh, just to round that out, uh, King Shark is played by Ron Funches. Um, who was on NBC's Undateable. Ah. Uh, there's also uh, a couple of uh, satellite characters around the crew. Uh, we have Frank the Plant, which is essentially Ivy's sidekick. Yes. Uh, who is... Uh, he's basically Audrey 2. He's basically Audrey 2 uh, if he was played by Ice-T. <laughs> Maybe. He's not played by Ice-T. Yeah. He's not played by Ice-T. And, uh... Kite Man! Hell yeah! yeah. <laughs> Kite Man was, was, was a brilliant addition to this cast as uh, he is pretty much played the exact same way everybody thinks of Kite Man. Kite Man! Yeah. He is a very confident loser. Yes. Uh, Frank the Plant is ba- played by J.B. Smoove. Mm. Just so we, we, we're keeping up with all this stuff. Right. And Kite Man. Kite Man. Hell yeah. Um, I'm on that. <laughs> Kite Man's great because everybody knows that guy. Yeah. Everybody knows that guy who's just like, no matter what happens to him, no matter how many times he gets beat down, he gets up and he's just like, hell yeah. Uh, that is Matthew French Oberg. Right. And uh, he is brought into the, the circle because he ends up dating Ivy. Yes. And, and it is, is great. <laughs> it is a classic odd couple situation because Kite Man does not appear to be the type of guy that Ivy would be even be remotely interested in. No, I mean, it's always been my understanding that uh, Ivy hates men. Mm-hmm. 
just ca- as a category. Right. Um, her powers, one of her big powers is she uh, poisons men to falling in love with her and then they turn into plants. Mm-hmm. And on the other side of the equation, we have characters like Batman shows up, uh, Robin, Superman, you know, the typical big DC characters, uh, you know, yep. have make appearances. Uh, the show is set in Gotham City, so we see Batman and Robin a little bit more. Uh, it's we see, uh, funny Diedrich Bader... Mm-hmm, from uh, Batman, reprises his role as Batman, mm-hmm. and he's it, perfect. Interesting choice because um, the tone of Brave and the Bold mm-hmm. is, um, while a shit ton more campy than this, is kind of, kind of has yeah a similar, um, not as dark, but has a similar kind of take on the DC universe. It doesn't take itself. That serious, as seriously as um, other iterations of Batman, no. or yeah, exactly, exactly. That that is a more a, a lighter, more fun take, and it does seem to fit. In fact, a lot of the stuff that you see, you know, remember in watching uh, Batman: The Brave and the Bold, uh, would pretty much fit right in in the world of Harley Quinn. Uh, to the point where Aquaman's first appearance, he does like a little bit of outrageous, but it's a different actor. But they, right. you know, it's definitely a nod to mm. Aquaman from Brave and the Bold. Right, which is a lot of people's favorite uh, version of Aquaman. <laughs> well, it's Aquaman. Right. Um, it's the deep without the porn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. I hear you can talk to fish. Yes, I can. I will destroy these fish. <laughs> uh, then we have we have the Legion of Doom, uh, which are the the a lot of Batman villains appear in the show. Uh, the Joker, of course. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Bane. Bane has has a pretty good supporting role in this. He's always funny when he shows up. Riddler, Penguin. Yep. Uh, Calendar Man. Scarecrow. Scarecrow is a, is a, is one of the major villains of the season. Yes. Um, and each of these uh, keep their iconic thing, but there's always just something weird about them that um, is. It's it's off. off. It's it's just yeah. a little warped. Just a little Except warped. Except for the Joker, right? Who pretty much. Um, acts the way you expect the Joker to act, mm-hmm. and that may be because it's hard to have put like this um, this mirror up, the same mirror that they're reflecting the other characters to. Um, it's hard to put up to the Joker mm-hmm. uh, because he's already warped. You know, if you were to change that, you could only make him more predictable. I guess All right, more human. You- Right and, and and you and there is such thing as too dark, and I don't think this this doesn't want to go there. This series still wants to keep that lighthearted um, attitude. Mm-hmm. And and Alan Tudyk, I think, does a really good job at playing the Joker, uh, both in that kind of lighthearted, campy sort of way, um, 
and also being really sinister as well. Because this Joker, I mean, he establishes it right away. This Joker is a total dick. I yeah. mean, not not is he just the the evil clown prince of crime, but he's a dick. <laughs> yeah, he's a total douchebag. And it's just like, you know, how can these people deliver these lines without just absolutely cracking up? Because even though it is a comedy, it is played completely straight throughout the entire series. Yes. And that's that's one of the things I think that makes it so effective is that it's poking fun at itself, but every all the characters inside, there's no like fourth wall breaks or anything like that. It's, everything that happens is absurd, but the characters treat it like it happens every day. Yeah. Yeah, ex- exactly. Like, uh, well, and even when, when, they're confronted by stuff that doesn't happen every day. They still take it in stride, like the Harley Quinn Memorial Highway. Right, right, which is just <laughs> completely out of left field. Doesn't even really belong in most people's picture of Gotham, but somehow it works, and no one's really surprised except for Doctor Psycho when they find out that there's a weapons pickup along the way. Yes, <laughs> taxpayer <laughs> money funded this. Yes. <laughs> And it yeah. Harley Quinn Highway is great. Um, she she opens up. She steals a nuclear bomb at, at one point and threatens Gotham to name a highway after her. It's like the second um, episode, right? And it's it's not until like the third third to last episode of the season that that gag actually pays off. See, but that. That's the one of the reasons why I really like this series is uh, they pay very close attention to Chekhov's gun, mm-hmm. so to speak. So everything, not everything, but almost everything has a purpose. Right. Um, right. In furthering the plot, furthering characterization, what have you. And um, there's, there's a, it's structured really well. There's a story that's told in 13 episodes even though it is an episodic uh, television show right. and you could pretty until the last two episodes, you can pretty much watch the whole thing um, in, in piecemeal. Yeah. yeah. You just watch an episode and enjoy it. Um, but when you put them all together, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I say that because that doesn't happen a lot in uh this sort of of television show. Um, right. I'm, I'm looking at the Mandalorian to be perfectly honest with you. Um, how how that was structured mm-hmm. and failed to do what Harley Quinn actually accomplished. Right, right. Which is is you know once again highlights the fact that the folks who work for DC Animation, uh, why are they not making the films? Because no. because DC animation has been consistently, you know, good. it's not it's not even just DC animation. It's mm-hmm. the it's that, but it's also the materials that have been on uh, their streaming service. Mm-hmm. It's consistently good. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, and, know, and each one Doom is Patrol, Titans. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't watched Swamp Thing. I probably won't, but I hear it's really good as well. Um, and this. I mean, those are four original shows, right? Right. And all of them are fantastic. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. And each one is different. It's not like uh, some shows where they just use the same formula and the same plot over and over and over again. Right. And, you know, each show, show is kind of a cookie cutter of the last. Right. Um, and even this one is, is it's totally different from all that came before it. It's almost like uh, they said, okay, Doom Patrol did really well. Let's do Harley Quinn. Let's take kind of the quirkiness of Doom Patrol and crank that shit up to 11. Right. And and do it with with Batman and Gotham City. And it's smart because, um, like I said earlier, Harley Quinn's a popular character mm-hmm. that probably not a lot of people know details about. Um, I'm not, like, trying to gatekeep or anything, but um, I think people associate Harley Quinn with the Joker. Right. And, um, and weird fantasy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm not talking about the pulp, the pulp book. Right. We'll get into that in a second. Um, and I don't think they, they know a lot about the 30 years of history of Harley Quinn. I certainly don't. Um, right. I, I read the, her book in the new 52. Um, it was one of the highlights of the new 52. What the, uh, Connor and Palmiotti series. I guess. Yeah. Um, which more or less was kind of this. Mm-hmm. I think they, they took the broad strokes from this. Right. From, from that. Um, but I don't think people see Harley Quinn as, and I might, I might be wrong, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't think people see Harley Quinn as a uh, major DC character. Right. Right. Um, and, and I think she is. And this proves it. I don't know how popular this show is. I can't imagine that it's not not popular because the second season is coming out in April. Yep. I mean, yeah, they just ended it two weeks ago, and it'll be next month uh, when the second season comes out. That's the fastest turnaround between seasons I've seen. Yeah. I mean, it, that's crazy. And I want to watch it. It's it's not like um, where I feel obligated. Mm-hmm. Um, I I really want to watch this. Yeah, yeah because it is, it's clever, it's smart, it it's funny. It, you know, it's got that dark sense of humor that really appeals to me. You know, I, I find myself laughing. You know, just thinking about certain lines or certain yeah, and, episodes. And they didn't they didn't like uh, pull a cheap ending where you in order to find out. I'm looking at the Titans in order to find out what the hell happened at the end of the season you have to watch the first episode of the next season right yeah it, it ended it, it it ended and i want to watch more which right. um the second season of titans ended up doing that for me but not the mm-hmm. first the first was i kind of have to watch it right right the first one ended kind of with a cliffhanger that really it, it, shouldn't have happened yeah they they ended it they should have had the last episode <laughs> instead of making it the first episode of the new season. But I kind of get it. They probably wanted to ensure uh, that people were going to watch a second season. Right. It was the, it was what, like the first thing on the network. Yep. Yep. As soon as they, that was their launch offering. Sure. They probably had like a, they were like a little, you know, nervous, little bit of trepidation going into that. Uh, But now they've got it down. Harley Quinn. Mm -hmm. Really fucking good. Yep. Um, so yeah, let's talk about let's talk about Bane a little bit because Bane, Bane is I will blow up this coffee shop. Right. There's Bane is another Batman villain who is Explosions. important. 
<laughs> who's important to the Batman mythos. Yeah, I mean, the, but all but the not villains. many people really know much about him, and he gets his his pop culture appearances. They do like really kind of crap on they him really a lot. Fuck Bane up. The only one that was even close was in in the animated series, and even that was kind of eh. right. Right, Bane is Bane is a mastermind. He's a genius level intellect. He happens to be really strong, even stronger when he shoots up his super steroid. Uh, yeah, he's um, body modifications. He's got armor plating under his skin, hmm. uh, and he's tough as shit because he was born and grew up in basically solitary confinement in a prison. Right, <laughs> and most most folks, you know, try to use him as as kind of generic muscle rather than yeah, a uh, villain. In both the movie appearances he was in, he was more or less that. Right. I, I guess in, in um, The Dark Knight Rises, he was a little bit more of a... Dark Knight well, Rises pisses like me a off a little bit paw. more. He yeah. was a cat's paw. Yeah. Instead of being the main villain of his own right. Because if you read um, Night Nightfall, mm-hmm. Bane's badass, and he is the king in charge of everything. He sets it up like for Batman, he like breaks all the all the villains out of Arkham Asylum and does not tell them what to do because he studied them and he knows what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. So he's he like you said he is a genius. Right. And people have him as like fucking in in that crappy um Joel Schumacher film, you know, he's just like a mindless goon. Yep, he's like he's worse than the Hulk. Yeah, and and um, and in in the Dark Knight Rises, he's just a cat's paw for Rachel Ghoul's for Talia Ghoul. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry, I spoiled that. Uh, yeah, if you haven't seen the Dark Knight Rises, you know, and that spoils it for you. Yeah, I'm not like sorry. a huge fan of Chuck Dixon as a man, mm-hmm. but like the shit he did on Batman is pretty top notch. And and Bane's one of those things, right? That he did, and, and and he shouldn't get shit out like that, right? Now, Harley Quinn does kind of they take that that perception that uh, the filmmakers have given to Bane over the years, and they kind of like twist it and tweak it a little bit. Uh, the best thing about it is that the design is basically his comic book design of the lucha yes. luchador costume. Yeah. But they give him the Tom Hardy voice. <laughs> and he's so fucking weird. And he constantly <laughs> and he's constantly referencing the Tom Hardy Bane. Everything. <laughs> Is it called the Six of Clubs? No. <laughs> it would have been a spectacular. <laughs> This card is for emergencies only. Did you take a hit out on Carly Quinn? <laughs> on your when you take a hit out on someone, always use cash. <laughs> oh man! And my name is Bane. I'm here every Tuesday. <laughs> Not Bang. <laughs> he calls me Bang. <laughs> I will blow up this coffee shop. Yeah, that then, actually is my favorite line. I'll and he blow says up this the whole shop. time, "I'm going to blow up this coffee shop." <laughs> He's going to blow up the coffee shop, and I love how they they pay that joke off too. Yeah, because the, because the he's like, 
I'm going to I'm going to blow up this coffee shop because they keep spelling my name wrong. I'm here every Tuesday. I'm, my name is Bane. And then it like used a couple another episode passes by and he's like, I've been paying that kid Joker's like, I've been paying that kid at the coffee shop to <laughs> misspell his name for months now. <laughs> and it that's kind of funny too, because it just kind of shows you this like weird interpersonal relationships between all these villains. But yeah, it's world building. It's really good yeah. world building and storytelling. Mm-hmm. It, it's like really clever, and and like and in like the best world building, it's not a lot. It's not like huge amounts of shit that's thought out and and backstory and stuff. It's like a throwaway line. It's a throwaway line, and it t- becomes one of the funniest jokes. And it also t- transforms from a, a, a what you might think would be a one off gag into probably one of the more potent emotional moments in the series as well, as Bane succeeds in blowing up the coffee shop with King Shark inside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and the, the, the meta plot of the whole thing, uh, it's classic three-act play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have your act one when you introduce the character, set up the conflict. Act two, where uh, your protagonist, you know, achieves their goal almost. And act three, where everything comes crashing down. Mm-hmm. In this case, literally. Yeah. But, I mean, it's just structured really well. Mm-hmm. It's just, I can't get over how good the storytelling is in this. And, I mean, and- it, it may be, it might not be the most intriguing thing to watch on uh, on DC, mm-hmm. um, Doom Patrol. I enjoyed Doom Patrol more, just right. in terms of watching. But as far as uh, structure mm-hmm. and and just how it's written, it's the tightest thing to have on. Right, right. And as you said, every character developments. Our core cast of characters grows together um, and does change. And you mentioned Doctor Psycho. Uh, his arc is he goes from a loud and abrasive, uh, just misogynist, you know, to realizing that uh, Harley and Ivy and all the rest of the crew are his friends. Yeah. And, you know, he has a little bit of a touching moment there toward the end. Yeah. But Put uh, me in your pocket. Put me what? in What? I got a tape. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Doctor Psycho is married to Gigan- uh, Giganta. Yeah. So there's that. <laughs> I'm gonna go look for Kevin. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry. It's like it's so funny because like a lot of the funniest moments in this show are just are just like little subtle one-liners that reference something else. Mm-hmm. It's it's just oh man, it's clever. It is. Now, you mentioned The Mandalorian. For those people who did like The Mandalorian and were impressed with uh, Giancarlo Esposito, he does. He appears in this show as well, doing a fantastic rendition of Lex Luthor. Yeah, he's a better Lex Luthor than he is random, randomly named um, Imperial officer, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. He, he's, he, sold, he sold me on it. Between Harley Quinn and his brief appearance in The Boys... I want to see Giancarlo Esposito as Lex Luthor in yeah, live action. He was really good at it. You know, Not that John Cryer is bad, because John Cryer's John Cryer is, is, is a great is, Lex Luthor. Is great for the tone of Supergirl. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, for the CW, he is perfect. Right. But this is like completely different. Um, they, they play him as like, uh, he's still that smarmy, know-it-all Lex Luthor. Right. But he's like, um, he's almost a straight man who doesn't get shit on, I guess. Yeah. He, he never gets anything on him. He's always calm, cool. You know, he's he. there's a scene where uh, Harley is has actually made it to being inducted into the Legion of Doom. And uh, he is speaking with Harley and, and Ivy. And he's like, welcome to the Legion of Doom, the LOD, as we call it. And Ivy is like, what, the Legion of Dildos? That is a sex shop three blocks down that we are engaged in a protracted legal dispute against. <laughs> right. It's it's that it's the same it's deadpan delivery of a ridiculous line. Mm-hmm. But, but but he really plays up the whole evil bureaucrat thing so well. Yeah, he does. Yes. The only up. the only character that I had a problem with the characterization with was Gordon. I I kind of liked the characterization of Gordon because it's completely opposite of everything. Uh, Harley Quinn's characterization of Gordon is just this overworked, manic uh, cop who, he, you know, he's dedicated, but it's like all of his, his entire life is falling apart. He's, and he's past the breaking point. He's past the breaking point. I just don't like it because it doesn't have any basis in any other Jim Gordon media ever. Right. Anywhere. Right. And every every other character is drawing from uh, different characterizations mm-hmm. and playing up uh, different aspects over others for comedy or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Jim Gordon is definitely comic relief in this um, to counteract Batman, who yes. is grim and serious. Um, but it just doesn't work for me. It's it's just like it's it's just I, n- not a believable Jim Gordon. I think I think it was sold best in the initial appearance, but I think the, the later on it kind of got a little tired, uh, you know, just because it went from, you know, he's at the breaking point and he's like almost psychotic to, you know, Jim Gordon's just kind of a loser. Yeah. Are you in a tank? It looks like you're in a tank. Yeah. That, that whole bit I kind of liked with uh, we need to use the tanks. We bought the tanks. Let's use them. You know, that sort of thing. And that kind of plays on that one episode we saw of Batman in the animated series. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Harley's Holiday. Right. Uh, where, uh, what's her name's dad? General. General, what's his face? Dri- decides General to, Trump. Right. Decides to drive a tank through Gotham City. Yes. And, and engage in property destruction. Uh, but I. The first appearance of it where he's like doing the whole monologue thing. You know, it's like, you're a cancer, Quinn, and I'm the chemo. And he's like got the coffee cup and it's shaking. Yeah, but even that's just like a little, where do you get that from? Where Where's that from as Jim Gordon? It's, it's kind of, he, he does have that, it might be kind of a cross between uh, Gordon and Bullock. Since Bullock was not a character. Because a lot of what he was, that characterization of Jim Gordon is very similar to Harvey Bullock in Batman the Animated Series. I guess, but Bullock was never like. Yeah, I mean, he's like, never didn't like, have that you know, manic energy. It just, that didn't work for me. 
right. mean, if I'm going to if I'm going to pick out any flaw in this series that Jim Gordon is going to be it. And it's it's certainly not enough to turn me off. Right. Uh, right. It's it's just Well, it's, they don't use him a lot either. Yeah. I I yeah. But I think they would have been able to sell that kind of characterization better if it was Harvey Bullock. I think you're right. Um, you know, because I mean, even when we were doing commentary on Batman the animated series, that was the characterization we gave Harvey Bullock. Well, right, because the one we watched with Harvey Bullock was him um was the one with the tank. And, yeah, eating donuts and and running into fire hydrants. Mm-hmm. Right. And and that see that and maybe we'll see Harvey Bullock in the next next season. Uh it would be nice to see to see that character. Just because he's a great character, because he is kind of like so over the top and and yet works in that serious context. Let's see him in a, you know, they probably make him like Dirty Harry or something. <laughs> yeah, they probably would. But uh, yeah, I mean, we don't see too much. Uh, we see Superman and Superman, Superman and Wonder Woman finishing each other's sentences, right? Uh, Superman crashing through the wall of the Daily Planet, going, "Oh, I should close my mouth when I crash through walls." Right. Now, one thing, one aspect of this show that I really enjoyed was kind of, uh, kind of like the way some of the stuff we saw in the boys, where it was all about your, you know, your media presence and stuff like that. But there was that cottage industry that we would see. If there were actual superheroes in 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 the real world, right. of this like tabloid journalism about superheroes. Oh yeah, you know it. <laughs> in particularly, the whole thing where having a nemesis is like who is ex famous right, who's celebrity dating who, right. and uh, in this case, it's Robin. Uh, the media latches onto Robin as Harley's That'd nemesis, Damian Wayne Robin. Yes, Damien, Wayne, Robin. Uh, and you notice there's, speaking of, uh, you know, you said the weird fantasy, uh, there is a nod to, like, anime and manga in that every time Robin encounters Harley Quinn, his nose starts to bleed. <laughs> I didn't notice that. <laughs> every weird. time. And and I I think... I think that's a little bit of a, because he is kind of the annoying asshole, almost fanboy type of character. And, you know, he's, and he's looking at Harley as this kind of like sexual fetish type of thing. And, you know, like you said, the weird fantasy, Harley Quinn as a character is, is fetishized. Uh, Joker certainly um, feels that way. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. (laughs) Put this on. Uh, yeah, they, they, they play that pretty straight. I mean, he is just straight up, you know, red pill type of guy. He's even got that Jordan Peterson haircut. Yeah, he does. He's got like, they, they, they use the Joker. Um, I guess this was like from the early two thousands or maybe the 2010 around there. That's what I'm going to say. Uh, where you have like the big fascist haircut. Yeah. Yeah. Long on the top. Buzz on the sides and the back. You got a little bit of a fade going on. Yeah. Yeah. He could he could be there trying to make America great again. Oh, very much so. And I think <laughs> he probably would try. 
<clears throat> yeah. Uh, the, the, now, did you catch the uh, the diss on Fox News? Uh, which one? Oh, it's hard to believe they're only the second. Oh yeah, the second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. And and you know, bravo for DC. They've taken themselves way too seriously for too long. Right, right. Um, it's about time that they like you know loosen their fucking tie and mm-hmm. got got back into good storytelling as opposed to whatever the fuck it is that they do these days. <laughs> There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. If uh, you have a friend or or know somebody who has DC Universe streaming service, uh, borrow their password, check the show out, uh, get the seven-day tree free trial, knock out the series in a week. Yeah, even or whatever the free yeah, trial Yeah, 13 half-hour episodes. You can binge-watch it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and it really doesn't feel like you've watched 30, even 30 minutes because it is so rapid-fire. It is, has a very manic pace to it. Yes. Double thumbs up. Double thumbs up. I mean, hell, DC is something recent from DC that Steve's likes. Come on. Yeah, I mean, this show made me want to keep 30 luck points. That's right. That's right.